new series uh, entitled Gospel Fluency. Uh, so basically translating what we know about Jesus uh, to what we know about Jesus, to our, to our hearts, to our lips, to our everyday lives. Gospel fluency. Uh, so I want to start this sermon with a little bit of a challenge. I don't know uh, if you're ready for it, but we'll, go, we'll jump right in. Uh, someone at work, uh, a neighbor, uh, a family member, uh, says to you tomorrow, hey, uh, you, you're into this church thing. I, I hear you go to church. Uh, I heard a televangelist on Sunday. I was just flipping through the channels. Talk about the gospel. Uh, what is the gospel? Uh, what do you say? So in the, in the e-blast, I invited you to think about this. Uh, I'd like to invite you to turn to the person beside you and share. And you might be like, just say, I don't know, man. Like, if you don't know. Like, like this is kind of hitting me off guard. I'm not ready for this. Um, that's cool. Uh, but I'd like, it'll help if you kind of visualize uh, your old friend from high school, maybe. The neighbor who cuts your hedge. Or maybe your mother-in-law. Just visualize who that person is. Uh, what is the gospel? What is the good news, in other words? Uh, this is an honest question from a friend. An honest question. What, what do you say? Okay, you got one minute. Thank you for that. Uh, when, I, when I got hired here, the, the interview team said, challenge us, challenge us. Uh, so the Bible says, always be ready to give a reason for the hope that you have. So that little exercise was just, may, maybe you're ready to give an answer, maybe you aren't, but uh, maybe you have more information now as to where you're at. Let's shift gears a little bit. Two years ago, um, my brother took off on a plane. Uh, he went to India. He made his home in Delhi, the most polluted city on the planet, uh, the, the, the city he calls the Wild Wild West, uh, where anything goes. Uh, a year later, I visit him, and uh, I discovered the meaning of that phrase, the Wild Wild West. Uh, but uh, it wasn't the ceaseless honking or the barrage of people trying to sell me stuff or even the strange smells, and there are many strange smells that shocked me. What stood out to me most was in the first 10 minutes, uh, Luke was talking to a taxi driver, a street vendor, a friend on the phone, all in Hindi. He was doing all the everyday stuff that he did in Canada, only in Hindi. Uh, I saw him one day in Canada just speaking English, and it seemed like the next day, which is about a year later, a totally different language he's speaking. I was blown away, really. Uh, the vision of this series uh, is that we become fluent in another language. 
in the language of the gospel. Uh, and to do that, it requires practice. Luke had been working all year. <laughs> so we're going to do some practicing of, of sharing the gospel uh, in, this, in this series. Uh, so if someone asks you randomly at the office, or if someone asks you randomly at like a Christmas party or like a backyard barbecue, you're just ready. You're ready to speak. Uh, you, you don't need to be afraid. You can speak with authenticity and integrity, really. Uh, so Jesus said that uh, he came so that we may have life and life to the full. And sometimes I, I ask myself, I say, where's this life to the full that Jesus promised? I'm, I'm in the kingdom. I'm, I'm a Christian. Where's that life to the full? And I'm learning that it comes from fluency. It, it comes from transferring what I know, Jesus loves me, to what I know, to what I live, to what I, I breathe, to, to the everyday stuff of life. And so that's what our series is, is going to be about. And my prayer for you uh, is that the gospel would be more fluent for you um, and for me. And I don't know what that would look like in your own life, but um, we're going to... Um, we're going to get really concrete. Uh, just imagine right now a friend of yours, maybe uh, uh, someone, in your, uh, someone in your missional family, your hairdresser, your mother-in-law. Imagine someone who you would like to become gospel fluent for. So that in the next seven weeks as we're going through this, you can actually visualize this person and be praying for them. Uh, one person who you'd like to become gospel fluent for. Uh, keep this person in your mind. Uh, let's pray before we get started. Father, my prayer is that we become gospel fluent, that we might be able to see and name Jesus in the everyday stuff of life. My prayer is that this glorious, life-changing gospel would penetrate from our heads to our hearts, that this life-giving, life-changing message would flow freely in us and out of us and around us, transform our lives, God, by this same old story of Jesus and his glory, of Jesus and his love. Father, send us your spirit. May the words of my mouth, may the meditations of each one of our hearts right now uh, be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to read a text from uh, Ephesians 1, uh, verses 3 to 5. Uh, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us in Him, in the heavenly realms, with every spiritual blessing. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Uh, before we go into this gospel fluency stuff, we need to be crystal clear on what the gospel is. And here in this passage, the gospel is defined in one word. Adoption. So we're going to linger on this one word, adoption. Uh, so we're going to, to understand adoption, we need to look at what it is, a legal pronouncement, why it matters, the privileges, and how to apply it. 
practice. So what it is, a legal pronouncement. Our text says, for he chose to adopt us as sons. Uh, that's our way into the family of God. God chooses us. The image of adoption tells us that our relationship with God is based on a legal act by the Father. Uh, think of your own parents. Think of your parents. Uh, you didn't earn your father. Uh, you didn't work to get in. You didn't work to get parents. Uh, you don't do anything. Uh, neither does an adopted kid. They don't do anything. Uh, Matt and Jen, uh, they just released Isabel to her adopted parents. Uh, Isabel didn't do anything to contribute to this. <laughs> she didn't do anything. Uh, her parents just chose her. Uh, there's nothing Isabel does to win her adopted status. It's just pronounced that she has parents. It's, it's pronounced uh, and received. The minute you become a Christian, the, the, the minute you become a Christian, you receive adoption. You have an unconditional relationship with God. That same unconditional relationship with God that Jesus had. You're loved as Jesus was loved. When Jesus, Jesus, he cried out on the cross. When he was on the cross, he cried out, forgive them. And when you receive this forgiveness, when you accept Jesus as your Lord, we read in Hebrews 2.11, now this is a crazy verse, that Jesus is now not ashamed to call us his brother. Adopted, we have the same father as Jesus, and so Jesus calls us his brothers. This is Hebrews 2.11. So, Peter Jackson, I don't care how old you are. Is it 94? How old are you? 95 and a half. 95 and a half. Okay, I've got to get that right. Jesus is your older brother. Jesus is your older brother. Uh, the, the cross is the doorway into your adoption into God's family. So through the cross, Jesus opens the door for each one of us to enter into God's family. So Jesus didn't deserve to go through hell, and you and I, we don't deserve to be in God's family. We didn't earn that any more than Isabel earned to be adopted. Uh, in some sense, Jesus on the cross, he lost his privileges as a son, right? He's paying, he's paying for a debt he didn't pay, he didn't earn. So he lost his privileges as God's son so that we could get the privileges. It's, it's, a, it's, it's wild. Like, <laughs> uh, why is adoption important? Uh, with the status of adopted sons, all the family privileges become ours. So this is point two. Sometimes when I read the Bible, I'm kind of put off, to be honest, by the gender language. Uh, like it says sons, right? And you're kind of like, what? Uh, Paul, why don't you just say sons and daughters? <laughs> you know, like there's women reading this too. And, uh, and, but, but that kind of misses the point of this passage. Uh, Tim Keller, one of my favorite pastors, uh, explains how a friend helped him to understand this. She wasn't raised, she was raised in a non-Western family, very traditional culture. Uh, there was only one son in her family, and it was understood in her culture that he would receive 
most of the family's provisions and honor. So in essence, they said, he's the son, uh, you're just a girl. That's just the way it is. That's just the way it is. Uh, And so one day she was studying a passage on adoption, and she suddenly realized that Paul was making a, a revolutionary claim. Paul lived in a traditional culture like she did. Paul was living in a place where daughters were second-class citizens. When Paul said out of his traditional culture, we're all sons in Christ, what he was saying is there are no second-class citizens in God's family. When you give your life to Christ, when you become a Christian, you receive all the benefits a son enjoys in a traditional culture. So let's apply this. In your adoption, everything's taken care of for your full citizenship. So you not only become pure and spotless, you not only have the gaze of God, the love of God, but you become wealthy beyond your imagination. Our text says that everything Christ accomplished is transferred to us. And sometimes I wonder if we get this at the village. Sometimes I hear people at the village say, oh, I'm new to the faith. I'm just figuring this out. I'm new to this. And it's almost like it's a card for like junior membership. <laughs> like I have a junior membership card at this church, you know. Uh, when, like, you know, others who are born into a devoutly religious home and, you know, always kind of walked the path, They get prime membership, but I just get junior membership. Yeah, we all need to grow, but adoption is not a process. It's not a process. You're not progressively allowed in the family. Like you're on probation, like, oh, that that, uh, Mark Tardif, you know. Uh, Let's uh, watch him. (laughs) Let's, Let's see how he does. Uh, just keep an eye on that guy, okay? Like, it's, it's not that. You're not half adopted one day and then sometime later get full rights. If you accept Jesus, you receive all the benefits of sonship. There's no second-class citizens. Sometimes someone comes regularly for a while, right, at the village. And, uh, and then you just don't see them for months. And then they come back, and their head's kind of low. And... And like, I, I kind of want to talk to the low headers right now. Like the people who you, you kind of wonder, am I, am I still in? Am I still like accepted? Um, a friend said to me once, uh, my walk with Jesus feels like three steps forward, two steps back. Two steps forward, three steps back. And I hate it. <laughs> And when he said it, I was just so encouraged because I thought to myself, me too, (laughs) that's me. Uh, So whether you're stepping forward right now, whether you feel like you've stepped back and you're kind of lagging behind, uh, who cares? Just press on. Uh, Your adoption is secure. There's no second-class citizens in God's family. He chose us. And so adoption is based on God's sovereign will and not on our missteps. And that's such good news because we're secure forever. Uh, So 
What are you afraid of right now? What makes you anxious? Um, I read in Romans 8 that come hell or high water, nothing can separate me from God. Uh, My Father will never allow it. He'll never allow it. Uh, Every single thing that opposes me, that comes up against me, um, every blockage uh, in, in my own heart, Every evil on the outside, on the inside, uh, the unknowns of life, a health crisis, whatever, no matter what, I will go on. I will go on steadfastly as God's child. I can be, res- I can be assured that God's resolved to give me his best. He will not stop at this. My life will be lived under grace upon grace upon grace. So how do we apply uh, our adoption? Um, The practice of becoming fluent, the head, the heart, the lips, our our whole lives. Um, I'd like you to go back in your own story. Go back, all the way back to your childhood. Remember how you could sleep in. You could just sleep, whatever. You could sleep till noon on a Saturday. And then you could get up and you could watch cartoons. Uh, Everything's taken care of when you're a kid, like really young. Remember how you could just fall asleep on a family road trip? Because dad's driving. Remember how you didn't have to worry about the bills? You know, there weren't any bills. You know, uh, you didn't have to worry about Donald Trump or, like, the, sh- the shopping list or, like, what to make for dinner. Remember, you didn't have to worry about sickness. You didn't have to worry about anything. There was nothing to fret or to fear about or nothing to fail at. You could just live your life wholeheartedly. You knew no other way. I mean, whatever, like you're, you're a kid. Listen, everything, when we're adopted into God's family, everything's taken care of today because God adopted you into his family. Yes, there's responsibilities. The Bible says work out your salvation with fear and trembling. But if, if, if God is your heavenly father, we know that everything's taken care of. If you're a Christian, you know what I'm talking about. Like, this isn't a foreign idea. Uh, It's not new that Christianity is about resting in your Heavenly Father, letting Him carry you. It's not new. Um, This idea that your daily bread is taken care of. You know this. I'm telling you what you know, but now I'm going to invite you to practice it be fluent from this head knowledge to this heart knowledge. I'd like to invite you to spend a minute in silent prayer, asking your Father for your daily bread, surrendering to his care. So I'm going to pray the Lord's Prayer, and then I'll leave a minute um, to invite you to lift up your hearts to your Heavenly Father. Share with him what you're anxious about, what you're frightened by. Ask for your daily bread.
I want you to listen before we pray. The, the living God is ready to give you himself right now. So this, is, this is very sacred. Prayer is a very sacred thing. So let's, let's pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those indebted to us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. Father, you know what's on each one of our hearts. Thank you for hearing our prayer. Amen. Uh, this guy, Jeff Vanderstelt, who we um, put this series together kind of under one of his books, and he has this quote, you won't be fluent in the gospel if the gospel isn't really good news to you yet. Uh, and so maybe that's you, and hey, that's okay. Uh, be patient with yourself, uh, but you're still going to get homework. <laughs> you're still going to get homework from today, uh, so you're not off the hook. Um, uh, ask someone you know who you like respect in the faith and say, tell me about the God you love. Listen to how the gospel's fluent for them, right? Listen to how this God is good news to them. Uh, and, and maybe you know, ask someone to invite you to tell them about the God you love. Uh, so listen and share. Uh, that's, that's your homework. Uh, tell me about the God you love. Um, I've asked this question in many different places. Um, actually, in my experience of online dating, uh, that's one of the questions I would ask. Maybe that's TMI, but anyways, I, I would actually ask that question. And... Uh, and in deep friendships, um, I would ask that question. And uh, the answer is never the same. It's so, it's so beautiful, you know, how, how people have their own encounter, their own relationship with God. And it's opened my eyes in fresh ways to what the gospel is. Uh, so uh, do your homework. Uh, do your homework. Um, in a moment, we're going to take communion here, uh, and we're, we're going to, before we do it, though, I kind of want to explain it briefly. Uh, prior to the coming of Christ, one of the most tragic words that had ever been spoken uh, was, they took and ate, 
So Adam and Eve, they, they took the fruit that they were not to eat, and they, they disobeyed, they turned their backs on God. And it's kind of a tragic summary of, of their sin that brought suffering and death into the whole world. Yet one of the greatest graces that Christ extended to us in communion is that he took these words that were marked with suffering and death, and he made them words of life. Uh, listen to the words in Matthew 26, 26 to 28. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take and eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, and when he gave thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the complete forgiveness of sins. Uh, so in a, in a moment, we're going to take and eat. Um, a friend said to me recently, uh, at the village, you know, the worship's great, preaching's fine, community's real, but I'm just not into this communion thing. Uh, I don't get it. And it was a great reminder to me. Um, it's not necessarily about what you feel when you come up to the table. It's not about that. Uh, it's... it's it's not about that. It's, it's when we come together, it's just a, a fresh reminder there's no second-class citizens in God's family. It's a reminder that we have our relationship with our Father, not based on what we do, what we don't do, what we feel, what we don't feel. It's based on what Jesus has done for us, his finished work. We take communion seriously here. So if someone is here and, you, you know, you're just, you haven't gone through the doorway of, of the cross. Like, you haven't trusted Jesus. Uh, you haven't let him carry you. Uh, just, it's cool. Like, don't feel pressured to take part in this. Uh, and also, if there's someone here, you know, you've resolutely decided in your heart to not forgive someone, Jesus takes forgiveness super seriously. So just let this time pass and do it, in, do it another time. Um, and uh, just out of integrity uh, to who Jesus is. And so uh, I'd like to invite all who are thirsty uh, to come. Uh, you who'd like to have more, you've been to this table often, you've not ever been to this table, uh, you who've tried to follow Jesus, you who've failed to follow Jesus, uh, come in groups of about 15, 20, and we'll take part.